Welcome back to Body Talk with Bex. This week I had a wonderful conversation with Cindy Stewart. She had a child who is on the spectrum and still lives with her. He's 29 now, so she's been through the whole bringing up of going through schools and just going through all of the medical systems and school systems to help better his life and his life skills. So this week I have a wonderful conversation with her and have gotten a lot of really great resources from her, which will be linked in the show notes. So if you know anyone who has a kid with autism and needs a little bit of help navigating that world, it is confusing. Make sure to check out the resources. Thanks for being open to talking to me. No problem. Yeah. Why don't you just do a quick intro, who you are, tell us about your family if you want, and then your son's name, kind of prep us for that whole story. Okay. Well, my name is Cindy Stewart, and I uh, live up in Bin Laman with my husband, Chris. I have three kids. I have an adult daughter from a previous marriage who is married and lives up in Anderson. I have Carson who lives at home. He is my autistic son. He's going to be 29 next month. And my youngest is Emily. She's uh, 22 and uh, lives with her girlfriend actually just down the street. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And we have uh, two horses, one dog and a goldfish. Oh, wow. Lots of animals. <laughs> yeah. All the horses are boarded out. So still, so, and you have a, a cat and you said a dog romping around today. She's laying right here <laughs> between my knees. She's a, she's a little dog. She's half Chihuahua, half Jack Russell, and she's going to be 12 on Thursday. Oh, wow. And she, uh, we just found out she has heart issues. <laughs> so yeah, it's like same thing happened to my cat. So it's, cat 2.0 now (laughs) yeah getting to that age that's sad yeah at least you have little little fur babies around for that emotional support oh yeah (laughs) they're great at that so why don't you tell us about anything that you noticed before the diagnosis did you notice anything that prompted you to take him to a doctor just kind of tell us about that whole whole process sure Well, first of all, it it was a a long time between babies. My oldest was 14 when Carson was born. So I, you know, I kind of forgot when and how they were supposed to do things. (laughs) He hit all the milestones at about the right times. You know, he rolled over at six months. He said his, oh, he crawled between six and nine months. Although he crawled, he didn't crawl like a normal baby. Instead of crawling on his hands and knees, he crawled on his hands and feet with his butt up in the air. Oh, (laughs) yeah. We (laughs) called him monkey boy. (laughs) So anyhow, let's see what else. Oh, he walked when he was a year old. So, you know, all that was pretty normal. 
by the time he was two, he knew all his, he knew his colors. He knew his beginning letters, you know, A is for apple, blah, blah. He could count to 20, but he still wasn't talking in complete sentences. But I, I wasn't too concerned about it. You know, they all develop at their own rate. And my thought at the time was, well, you know, Einstein couldn't tie his shoes. So, <laughs> so when we took him in for his three-year checkup, we asked the doctor about his speech only because my daycare lady was complaining because he wouldn't say please and thank you. Turns out he couldn't say please and thank you. So... And I didn't find this out until later, but the doctor, the pediatrician, he he had his suspicions oh. about what the problem might be. But he just he looked at Carson over on the other side of the room, running around in circles while we were talking. And he looked at my husband and I and said, that's not normal. Oh, so, you know, so he sent us to a uh, child psychologist, psychiatrist, rather, and he made the diagnosis. We had a little disagreement. So he made his pronouncement and then she kind of verbally shoved me out the door. Didn't tell me what I should do next or anything. Oh yeah. He was a real people <laughs> work. So I made an appointment to see Carson's pediatrician, just me so we could talk. And of course, instead of talking, I cried, but <laughs> Once we got past that, yeah. <laughs> he, he told me, you know, what I, sh- what I should do next. And he, he suggested that I call the UC San Francisco autism clinic okay. and talk to them. And I did. And they told me, you know, it would be four to six months before they could get him an appointment. And I panicked you know, because four to six months, my son needs help, you know, but, you know, they told me that as far as the big picture was concerned, four to six months wasn't that big a deal. And it was actually up to the local school district for his treatment. So yeah, I called them. This was like towards the middle to the end of May. So, you know, school was almost out for the summer and they were not very cooperative at all. So, you know, I called him several times and finally I lost my temper and, you know, hollered at the woman on the phone, thanks for nothing and hung up in her ear. And this is back when you could still slam down a telephone. Right. <laughs> the satisfying <laughs> clunk is your hand. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and that got results somehow or other, uh, about an hour later, I got a phone call and, oh, what do you know? They had room to see me. So, we, uh, yeah, they sent several people from the local district and the county office of education. They were in and out of my house for a month or so doing, you know, testing and all kinds of stuff. And then they, they made their pronouncement. So they have to do their own tests and also verify in addition to already having your doctors. Yeah, well, at that point, all we had was the diagnosis from the, the child psychiatrist. And we were working on, actually, my insurance said that we should take him to Stanford. They had an autism clinic there. Um, it was, they called it the Children's Health Council. And um, the doctor that ran that, her name is Linda Lotchbeek. And she 
she has written books and things. And so she really, really knew what she was talking about. Although the doctor at San Francisco Autism Clinic had also written books, but that's my insurance was going to cover this one. So, so we took him to uh, Stanford in September. It was a shortly before or shortly after he started the special ed preschool. I can't, I can't remember. It's been a long time. Yeah. (laughs) The special ed school, is that like a different school entirely or is it like a special class at the same? Uh, It's run through the County Office of Education special ed department. Okay. And they have like, yeah, they have these special classes and they put them in whatever school they have room for him in. Okay. When he was at the preschool, he was at Green Acres. And then when um, he went to what was supposed to be kindergarten, he was at Natural Bridges. And basically they sent him everywhere except Watsonville <laughs> and didn't get him in his home district until he started high school. Wow. <laughs> but, you know, it was wherever they had room. Yeah. So. And the county office was fabulous. I never had any trouble with them. They were wonderful. They had great people working there. They had a behavioral therapist that was a godsend. Um, I could call her anytime with any kind of question or whatever. And she would, you know, give us advice and, and whatnot. That's amazing. Yeah, I can get back to that if you want to. You said something about your notes. Want to know about the process of getting them tested? Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious what, what that was like, what kind of tests they have. I mean, did you have to take him someplace for tests or people? Yeah, we, we took, it was an all day thing and we took him up to Stanford and we were told to bring a third adult that could watch him because some of the process was that the doctors wanted to just talk to Chris and I. And so, of course, we need somebody to watch the baby. So my sister-in-law went up with this. And so, yeah, they interviewed Chris and I and asked us a bunch of questions. Then they had a couple of sessions of testing. Some of it was just observation of him playing with blocks or whatever they had in there to play with. They did some cognitive type testing, puzzles and problem solving kind of stuff. And then there was a, a long break. When we went to the Stanford mall and looked around and they, when they, you know, collaborated and decided what they, what they thought, and they did confirm the autism diagnosis. And then they uh, had another meeting with Chris and I and, and talked to, you know, told us their findings and went through their report. The prognosis was good. You know, he, he was considered high functioning. He did have problem solving skills and, you know, they talked about, treatment you know and we told them about the preschool and they said okay well the the preschool was was using a method called teach to work with these autistic kids and at the time there was also another method called discrete trial which i didn't like at all it was very rigid and very you know it was like one-on-one with a whatever they were psychiatrist psychologist whatever and they would ask the child for certain behavior. And if, if they were wrong, they'd ask him again more sharply. It just was nothing that would have worked well for Carson. 
And so they, you know, they were on the fence about teach. They said, yeah, it'll probably be good. But if it doesn't help him, you know, they suggested that we do this discrete trial, which I really didn't want any part of. As it turned out, his second year there, they took him and another student and they did the trial thing with a softer version of the discrete trial. And it actually worked out really well. He was reading by the time he was four. And wow. it, was, it was funny because I, I saw his aide one day when I went to get him and uh, I asked her, you know, uh, she was a young college age girl. Her name was Samantha. I said, Sam, how's he doing? You know, with the stuff, she goes, oh, he's doing so good. And he does this and he does that. And he's starting to read. And I thought, bless your heart. He's four. He's not reading. <laughs> a few days later, I am standing. Well, he, he, Chris used to pick him up and he'd go to the liquor store and get a beer and a, and a snack for the boy. And there was an ice machine outside and he was really into letters and numbers. And so he would see the ice machine and, and Chris was going, ice, I-C-E, ice. Okay. This is good. So I talked to Sam. She said he was starting to read. I'm like, mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> I'm in the kitchen and the pantry door was open and there was a box of success boiling the bag rice in there and I'm doing something and I'm listening to him. He's standing in front of the pantry and he's looking at this box and he's going ice or ice rice. And I went, sorry, you can't put that in there. I said, Oh my God, he's reading. (laughs) So yeah, he, he started to read really early and just kind of, he took off from there. I was something he really wanted to do. and, And he did. How excited did that make you? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was really funny too, because the the first gift that he ever asked for, like, you know, when we'd ask him, what do you want for Christmas? And that was really a lost cause. <laughs> his first Christmas, it took him three days to open all his presents. So, you know, <laughs> he just <laughs> overstimulated, sidetracked, you know, he's a lot like his mother. But <laughs> Trading it all out, enjoying it as long as possible. Really, you give him his presents, he lines them all up. They're very aut- typical autistic behavior. <laughs> but anyway, so the, the first time he ever asked for anything, he asked, he wanted a Game Boy Color, a little handheld digital game. You can bet he got it. I still have it. <laughs> Wow. So he, he got in, you know, into this game and then he wanted by this time he was probably, I don't know if Emily was born yet. So he might've been somewhere between five and seven because he was seven when Emily was born, but he asked for, they make game guides to go with those games. And he had uh, the Donkey Kong game and he wanted the game guide. So, you know, I bought it for him. So what they were telling me at the school was that his reading was at or above grade level, but his comprehension was much lower than that. Okay. So I said, okay. Now he couldn't answer the W questions. What, when, why, where. Okay. He, he still has trouble with why. He can do most of the other ones. Why? You never know what kind of answer you're going to get. So So he's got the game guide. So it was Easter Sunday, I think. And uh, we were getting ready to go over to my mother's and he brings me this book and he wants me to read this certain part of it to him. 
So we sat down on the couch and I read it to him. I was talking about one of the games and what you have to do. And, you know, I felt like I was reading Greek. Because <laughs> I absolutely no idea what they're talking about. So, okay, that was good. We go to my mother's and we're, we're there. And at one point I'm sitting next to him on the couch and he's got his Game Boy. And he is doing exactly what I just read to him out of this book. So he is comprehending. I said, tell me he doesn't comprehend what he's reading. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> he, just, he just, you know, they, he would read something and then they'd ask him those questions, but he couldn't answer those questions. Right. That you doesn't know, mean he's, he's not retaining, though. Uh, what, what was that? I'm sorry. Oh, I mean, that doesn't mean he's not retaining it. Right. Exactly. He just couldn't. He, his expressive language was really limited when he was young. It's still somewhat limited. Um, you know, <laughs> There are autistic children who don't speak. They're nonverbal. And then there's my son who never shuts up. <laughs> he is always making noise. He's in his room. We have a small house. And he's in his room, you know, and he's in there. And he's just constant movie quotes and stuff. And he, he does, it like, imitations. That's another autistic trait is they can imitate noises. When he was little, you should have heard his fire engine. It was awesome. <laughs> and we were working in the yard. Uh, Chris said the vacation. And we were put, uh, fixing a spot in the yard for a little play yard for him. And the neighbors had a dog. And the dog barked constantly. And by the end of vacation, my son was barking. <laughs> it was truly really a pain. The dog. <laughs> But he can do voices. Oh, that's cool. And he'll be in his room babbling on. And all of a sudden, I'll hear this voice I don't recognize. <laughs> it, never, it never fails. It's when I'm here alone. I'm like, what the hell? Who is that? Where are they? <laughs> so, so, yeah, he's um, quite entertaining. If you sit down and actually listen, I tune it out most of the time because it's just this constant. <laughs> but you know where he is all the time. <laughs> and, and I digress horribly. <laughs> so the they were talking to us about the diagnosis and the treatment and everything. And kind of as a wrap up, the doctor tells me, you know, with the proper treatment and, you know, working with them and stuff, he should grow up to be, be able to grow up to be a functioning member of society. But he's always going to be the square peg. And I looked at this esteemed doctor at Stanford and I said to her, I live in Santa Cruz County. Who's going to notice? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, that was the whole process was kind of, you know, a little bit scary and everything, but yeah. the prognosis was good. And so that that's good. That helped. Um, it sounds like once you got started with the whole process, it was fairly easy. Like they walked you through kind of. Yes and no. I mean, they did, at least I knew what my next steps were supposed to be. You know, when, when this guy just handed me this pronouncement, your son is yeah. autistic that and, shoved me, and shoved me out the door. Yeah. That know, wasn't helpful. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know anything about autism. Yeah. The only, you know, picture I had of autism was the children that were severely involved and sat in the corner all day, rocking back and forth and banging their head against the wall. And right. I'm like, that's not my son. He doesn't do that. 
He right. knows things. He's smart. Well, I had a lot to learn <laughs> and I learned it. <laughs> so just had to be pointed in the right direction. Yeah. And like I yeah. said, the, the people at the county were great. This behavioral therapist, like I was saying, I could call her with questions and and concerns and she would help and I she gave me solutions to problems when he was really little his only answer to a question was no you know do you want some milk no so but that wasn't always really the answer right so then you had to figure out okay was that a no no or a yes no right so I talked to to Fran about it and she gave us a solution that not only did it work, but it taught him how to answer yes. She, we made a little card and there was a box that said yes and a box that said no. And we would, when we ask him a question, we would show him the card. And if the answer was yes, he'd point to yes. And if it was no, he'd point to no. And he understood that. Yes, he did. He's very verbally say. Right. He's very, very, was and still is visual. Words to him have always been very ambiguous. They're just these things that float around in the air. But if he can see them and touch them and hold them, then they're real. Okay. And that was another thing that she told us that has to this day still helps us. And that's social stories. If there was going to be a change in his schedule or we were going to go on vacation or he was worried about something or obsessing about something, we would write him a little story, you know, and then yeah. uh, mom and dad are going away this weekend. Carson's going to go stay with grandma and grandpa and this is not and the other thing is going to happen. And I would give it to him and tell him to read it and he would read it and he would keep it and take it with him. And when he got anxious, he would take it out and look at it and go, okay, yeah, that's right. That's what's going to happen. I can see it here. I have it. And it's, it still works. What a simple solution. I know. And I never would have thought of that on my own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and, and another, when he was really little, one of the problems with autistic kids is they, they don't quite get that. Like, if you're playing outside and mom says it's time to come in the house, that's it. You never get to go outside again. It's over. Oh, so there was a phrase that they used that she taught us that has, like I said, it still to this day helps sometimes first. And then first we're going to go put your coat on and then we're going to go outside. Mm. Okay. Okay, and then or first we're going to go to the store, uh, then you can have, you know, your cookies or what, whatever it is, you know, what's going to happen first and then what's going to happen next. And when he was really little, this was like beyond helpful. And occasionally we still use it. I feel like yeah. that would be helpful for any parent, really, to start <laughs> using that kind of terminology. Really? <laughs> But the, the funny thing was when he was really small, the less words that you used to tell him something, the better it was for him. Because if you use too many words, he just like 
imploded. You know, they, they didn't mean anything. And I swear sometimes when I had him out in public, people must have thought I was the world's worst mother treating my child like a puppy because <laughs> I'd have him by the car and I'd go, Carson, stay. And I'd walk <laughs> <laughs> I'd come back. He understood that. <laughs> exactly. You know, what am I? Okay, you stay here by the cart while I go over and do that. And, and he's just like, no, what? <laughs> or if he started to wander off, you know, Carson, come. It's the same thing I tell my dog when she starts to wander off. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, people probably thought I was kind of a nutsoid, but, you know, it worked. <laughs> yeah. If it works, it works. <laughs> so, yeah. Those are really yeah. great tips. They're also simple, but yeah. And I've you've never just, gotten there myself. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you don't think about it. And that's another thing. This autistic people, children are very, very literal. So I'm trying to teach him to say, excuse me, after he burps. This was when he was very young. So he'd belch, you know, and go, Carson. What do you say when you burp? And he'd make a burping noise. Oh. And I go, it took me, I don't know how long to realize. What do you person, say? After? What do you say after you burp? <laughs> Excuse me. There you go. And, and I didn't know that he knew his right from his left. So I'd be putting his shoes on him and say, okay, give me a foot. So he'd give me one of his feet and I'd put a shoe on. I said, okay, give me your other foot. Carson, give me your other foot. He knew he had a left foot and he knew he had a right foot. What is this other foot you speak of? <laughs> I don't have an other foot. I have a left foot and a right foot. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I think the best one, though, was he had a babysitter uh, when he was, I don't know if he was in preschool or if he was already in kindergarten, first grade. But he, he loved this woman. And I mean, I'd take him to the front door and he'd basically launch himself out of my arms to her. And her, her name was Susie. So I got him to Susie's house one day and I'm around my side of the truck, you know, and I get the door open or his side rather. And I'm undoing his seatbelt and stuff or his car seat and stuff. And I go, Carson, where are we? And he looks at me, he goes, in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't know what he was thinking. Oh, yeah. And I have to ride the short bus. Yeah, sure, mom. <laughs> it's just that that has tripped me up many, many times, the whole literal thing. But yeah, so and, and that that and his, you know, lack of understanding language some, sometimes made life interesting. Yeah, that's why I had friends. She helped me through it. <laughs> I was very sad when she retired. Oh. <laughs> wow, I love all of that. E everything you've said so far. That's yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I got involved with Easter Seals for a while. When I, I worked for PGE for 34 years, and they had this program called Campaign for the Community where they encouraged their employees to. Donate to nonprofits or you know whatever, and every year they had a big push, you know, the campaign for the community. And so once I started getting services for Carson through Easter Seals, I started making my donations go to Easter Seals, 
And I gave what they call the full pledge, which was the highest amount you could give. It came out to several hundred bucks a year. And I got contacted by this woman from them. She was their vice president of development. And I got, I got on her radar because of my full pledge uh, donation. And she wanted to meet with me. So we, we met and we ended up becoming really good friends. And I got involved with Easter Seals. Carson was their youth ambassador for Central California Easter Seals for a year. And that meant that I did some public speaking, if you can believe that. And so, you know, I spoke at rotary lunches and things like that. Yeah. And, and then I also at work got involved with the campaign for the community. And during their big yearly push, you know, I, I put on the meetings and I had this woman's name was Tracy. I had Tracy come with me and she talked about Easter seals and the whole thing was of course, to try to get him to donate. Right. So I had my little, my little speech that I would give, you know, telling them about Carson and, you know, you guys might not know it, but, and we did Santa Cruz, Watsonville, Monterey and Salinas. Okay. Wow. The whole County. Yeah. We went to each yard. I think it over probably over a period of four weeks and did our little spiel very early in the morning. (laughs) I started work at seven. I want a big deal for me. Tracy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, she asked me to come and speak to a rotary lunch meeting in Castroville. So I did. And I, you know, I met her up there. It was upstairs in an old restaurant and I, you know, gave my little spiel about Carson and, you know, went through basically what we talked about more abbreviated, but basically what we talked about. And, um, and then, you know, of course, I had to put in my plug for Easter Seals and how much they helped. I got respite care from them. And when he was little, that was extremely helpful. Yeah. Because Chris and I only had one day off together because he had he was a bread man. So he got split days off Wednesday and Sunday. Oh. Well, I worked Wednesday and he worked Saturday. Right. Sunday was our only day off together. And we had horses. So respite was great because we'd use it on Sundays. We'd go, you know, feed the horses, go for a nice long ride, go out to lunch remember how to act like adults, you know, stuff like that. So anyhow, I I did this meeting in Castroville and after I gave my little speech and, you know, we were having lunch, this woman comes up to me and she is practically in tears. And she says to me, Oh my God, you are so brave. I think you're just so what, and I'm like, Whoa. And I, you know, thank you so much. And the next day I told Tracy, I go, I told her what, you know, about the woman, I go, I got Tracy, I feel like such a fraud. I mean, he's my son. What else am I going to do? You know, you got to roll with it. You got to do what's good for him. And she just looked at me and she said, not everybody's equipped to do that. Yeah. And I'm like, really? (laughs) I mean, you have a child, you're responsible for it. You do what you need to do. (laughs) So that, that was an interesting, um, eye opener for me. (laughs) Yeah. It's just your outlook on everything is, you know, your perspective of it. Well, in my family, we tend to handle things with humor. I mean, it's, it's gotta, it's gotta be pretty bad before we don't make jokes, you know? (laughs) And, and you know, it's just the way that I, I remember one time telling the people at the school where he was, we were talking about something and he'd had a cold 
And I go, God, I don't know what it is with that kid. When he gets sick, he is so autistic. And they just thought that was hilarious. (laughs) It's just the way we do things. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good way to do things, though. Yeah, well, it's worked. I mean, for, for who he is, he's very well adjusted if you can say that any autistic individual is well adjusted but he's always been a happy child I can count on maybe one and a half hands the number of times he's had a meltdown you know and I mean there when he was at natural bridges there was a little boy there that every time I saw that child he was either curled up in the fetal position under a blanket or screaming his head off he was just so unhappy in his skin and he bit Carson twice I finally had a meeting and I said this is not acceptable no you keep him away from my child or you know steps will be taken I mean I'm you know I felt horrible that the poor little guy was so miserable but yeah but uh, I'm biting my kid (laughs) so yeah over the you know, time that we've been through the school system and stuff. I, I saw a lot of kids. Some of them did okay. And some of them were just a mess. The poor things, you know, I felt so bad. Yeah. First time I spent a day in his preschool class, I cried all the way home. I just, the kids, they were just so precious. And so they, some of them struggled so much and I, I was a mess. I just, I cried all the way home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, my mom always used to, to tell me things could always be worse. You know, any time you're feeling wallowy about everything going on, it's like, it could always be worse. You could have harder to deal with, or you could have not supportive parents or doctors or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. It always, I, yeah. I was, uh, I had surgery on my thumbs this year, just last year over the summer for arthritis. And one day when I was leaving the uh, office, the doctor's office, I was sitting in the car. I don't remember why I was doing something, looking something up or going to call somebody. And I happened to look up and I see a woman and a small child going towards the back door of the doctor's office. And there's a nurse there waiting for him. And he's dawdling, you know. She keeps, come on, come on. And the next thing I looked up and he is having a fit and he took a swing at his mom and he's throwing himself on the ground. And she just basically, I could, you know, I saw her shake her head at the nurse and just, you know, grab the kid and go back to the car. Saw her, put him in the car. And then she sat there and I could see she was crying. And I'm like, that kid's autistic. So I went up to her window and I tapped on the window and strangely enough, she rolled the window down. <laughs> a bleach stranger standing there at your car and you roll the window down. And uh, I just talked to her for a little while. You know, I said, she, she was so upset. Poor thing. She was, she was really young too. I said, he's autistic, isn't he? <laughs> yes. And he has all these stupid hearing tests and there's nothing wrong with his hearing. He's just autistic. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so. Yeah. You know, like I said, I, I talked to her for a while and um, she's a military wife and they'd just come out here from someplace in the South and were over by Fort Ord. Mm-hmm. Fort Ord's closed, but I guess they were still living over there. So, but anyway, so 
you know, like I said, I talked to her for a little while. I told her about Carson. I said, you know, it will get easier. I promise. And I exchanged phone numbers with her in case she ever wanted to talk about anything. And I never heard from her, but I think when we, when I left, she was feeling better and I I felt pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's a cute little guy. His name was Teddy. And, you know, I, I looked, at him in the back seat and I said hi to him and, and he answered me but he didn't really want to talk to me or anything yeah but yeah the hearing tests for him were just really invasive and he didn't like it and he just didn't want to do it I get that <laughs> yeah I know and she was poor thing was just so frustrated yeah <laughs> so. I think that definitely I mean if I were a parent in that situation it would make me feel better just knowing that I'm not alone and it does get better and having someone let you know, like, I see you, I see your struggle and validating it. Yeah. I, right after he was diagnosed, I was, uh, I went horseback riding with a friend of mine in the park and we ran into these people with twins, a boy and a girl. And while we were sitting there talking to him, I was watching the little boy And he was standing in front of my horse and tilting his head and looking at the horse from the angle, you know, from the nose up. And he was kind of tiptoeing around and flapping his hands and going, hi, horse, hi, horse. And I'm like, oh, I have seen this behavior before. (laughs) And you you don't want to go, so is your son autistic? Because then they go, what? And you go, oh, never mind. Yeah. (laughs) So I I tried. How old is he? (laughs) So I was talking to his dad, you know, he goes, oh, he's six, but he's autistic. I said, I kind of thought so. And so I told him about Carson. So we talked and okay, fine. Well, I decided that maybe I wanted to talk to this, to these people, you know, because maybe they could give me a glimpse of the future, you know? So I got a hold of, I forget who, I don't know if it was the regional center or the school, but anyway, I I told him the little boy's name was Connor. And I said, you know, I know you can't give me any of their information, but if you wouldn't mind, if you could give her my phone number and see if she wouldn't mind calling me. I never did that again. That woman was scary. Oh, really? (laughs) Oh, she bashed the school system. She's all, you got to keep on top of these kids and make sure that they do what they're supposed to do. You know, they're lazy. They don't want to do. And I'm like, holy Basically, she was bound and determined to make that boy normal, whether he was autistic or not. And I mean, she was just scary. That's not how you handle that. No, no, you don't. And the funny thing is, I saw him years later when I was taking Carson to swimming lessons. And he actually was acting pretty normal. But, you know, I mean, at what cost to him? Yeah. You know, I never we never pushed Carson to do any more than we thought he could do. He is who he is and we can't change that. Yeah. All we can do is make it easier for him to cope in this world. (laughs) So I'm I'm not much of a joiner anyway. So I never did, you know, parents helping parents or anything like that. I just kind of figured it out by myself, (laughs) me and Fran. (laughs) We, We were never really joiners either. So yeah, we understand that. So so I guess we kind of already talked about school placement. Were there any other like big changes that had to happen just with daily life? And yeah, not, not really. You know, we, it, 
it was what it was and we you know we did what we needed to do the the one thing that kind of it wasn't so much when he was little that it changed things as it does now but he he doesn't have any safety awareness Mm. he doesn't know that there's anything out there that can hurt him you know the only thing i found out that found that he's afraid of is fire doesn't like campfires doesn't like the gas stove you know but i mean like i got him into swimming lessons when he was three two or three years old because he loved the water and he would have very happily stepped off the deep end of the pool and drowned oh gosh yeah and i don't swim so you know got him into swimming lessons early because of that and so we when he was older like I'm trying to think if he was in high school. He wasn't in high school yet. Probably middle school. And there, there's a, a place called Aces. And they work with autistic children. They come to your house and work with kids. So somebody suggests, I think I found out about him through the regional center. And so they had somebody come out. And so the idea was, you know, we were going to work on safety awareness with Carson. It was, that part of it was minorly successful. And it turned out, there was something else that happened that was really major in a good way. So with the safety awareness thing, though, you know, they worked on, you know, how you safely cross the street and our street doesn't have any sidewalks or anything. And Chris would walk him down to the bus stop in the morning for the school bus. And so they talked about, you know, the safe way to go down the street and all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, he can tell you all that stuff, but yet he was with the ACEs, uh, girl and his father and they were at the market in the parking lot he's with two adults and he still managed to walk out in front of a truck so I've, I finally had to come to grips with the fact that this is just something he's probably never going to grasp and you know it's not like the kind of thing where you can talk about it and quiz him about it and then say okay now you try it on your own right because you only get one mistake <laughs> Yeah. You know, so basically, even now that he's 29 years old, I am not willing to leave him alone. You know, I, I, I from time to time have thought, OK, I could just run to the store. He'll be fine. And then this little voice in the back of my head goes, uh, hello, the, the uh, Loma Prieta earthquake only lasted 15 seconds. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, I don't even know if he would know what to do if something like that happened. We don't have a landline. We use our cell phones. He doesn't like to talk on the phone. You know, I just, I don't know. And I'm not willing to find out. Yeah. So, you know, his younger sister watches him occasionally for us, which, you know, now it's fine. She's 22. But when she was 12, watching 19-year-old brother, (laughs) that was weird. But, you know, she's really very good with him actually he behaves better for her than he does for us a lot of times <laughs> but the one really really cool thing that came out of this aces thing carson had extremely limited food choices which when he was little was just a nightmare we you know if we were going to go out to dinner we had to feed him first or i had to take he would all he would eat was these little microwave meals kids kitchen Okay. So I either had to feed him before we left, or I had to take it with me and hope that the waiter would warm it up for me. Or if we were going like to Marine World or, you know, Six Flags or something, 
what we would do is we would overheat it and put it in a thermos, wrap the thermos in foil and towels and whatnot, and bring it and hope that when it was time to eat, it was still mildly warm so that he would eat it. So when he was working with ACEs, they would go out into the community, hence the incident in the parking lot. But what they'd do is they'd, they'd go to the stable with Chris and Carson would help Chris clean our stalls and feed the horses. And then for his reward, um, they'd go to the video store. Beacon Video was going out of business. So they were selling their VHSs for like a dollar. And so he'd get a video and then they'd go to the market and buy stuff for dinner and then come home and Carson would help Chris cook dinner. He's the cook, not me. <laughs> That's another funny story. And the, the thing was, he had to taste, take at least one taste of everything that dad cooked. And that morphed into him pretty much eating whatever we eat now. Wow. He will come out of his room in the evening and go, hey, dad, what's for dinner? That's a big difference. We could take him to a restaurant and can, he'll order off the menu. I mean, and it was it the act of cooking it with dad, I, like I seeing guess. what went into it. Or? Yeah, I don't know. Or the having to taste everything and figuring out that stuff, you know, stuff wasn't so bad. A lot of it too, I think was um, sensory, you know, the way the food felt in his mouth. Yeah. Because when he was, when he was real little, he had some sensory issues. He doesn't so much anymore, but yeah. So, I mean, that, that just was huge. Yeah. Really huge. So that, that was good. When the, talking about my husband being the cook, when the lady from the County office was out here doing her testing with Carson, she had a book and she was asking him to point to things, to pictures, you know, point to the, what makes the light in the room, you know, or what is, I don't know what it was, but so she, I'm sitting there on the couch with them and she's asking him all this stuff. And she goes, can you point to what mommy cooks on? I go, mommy doesn't cook. Daddy does. Can you point to what daddy cooks on? <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, yeah, he's looking at those pictures going, I don't see a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's again, handling it with humor. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's the, the thing, you know, that the needed to be changed was the fact that, you know, I've now got an adult child living at home and I can't leave him by himself. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's not a big deal. It just, like I said, it is what it is and you roll with it. Right. And this so. is the, I guess, is this the only thing that you would consider like a long-term effect essentially? Yeah. yeah. And you know, the, more than once the, when I have the you have an annual review with the regional San Andreas Regional Center, and we conserved Carson when he was 18, mostly to protect him, you okay. know, because he can't, yeah, he does not understand the responsibilities of being an adult, right? You know, and, and so we need to make his medical decisions and whatnot. I mean, like I said, his first answer to every question is no. And I, no. Can, you know, I could see it. The doctor saying, Carson, you have to have the surgery or you're going to die. No, no. <laughs> so, you know, we did that. So, you know, the, the, they have annual, you know, check-ins and whatnot. And they, they used to ask me if, you know, I ever wanted him to go into a group home environment. <laughs> and I said, no, I, when he was in preschool, he did a thing with, the people from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that developed the teach method okay. that they used in his preschool. They had a, a train the trainer 
in Monterey and they were training new teachers to do this teach method. And okay. so Carson was one of the students for his age group that knew the program. So, you know, was helping the teachers learn how to work the program. Okay. You know, there'd be an experienced teacher and then the new teachers. And, you know, I never saw what they did because we weren't allowed to stay. But where was I going with this? Oh, so <laughs> at the end of the week, one of the things they did, they gave us a free subscription for, I think, a, a year or six months or something to their newsletter. And so I get this newsletter and I'm reading through it. And there's a thing on the back about this family that they had a, a 13 year old autistic son. They were going to a wedding. So they dropped him off at a drop off type group home place where, you know, they could watch him while they went to this wedding. Well, he got agitated about something and started getting, you know, violent, not hugely violent, but the caregiver was concerned. So she called the police. The kid came out of the kitchen with a butter knife in his hand and the police shot and killed him. Yeah. So there was that. <laughs> Fast forward a few years, a young man disappeared from a group home in Santa Cruz at two o'clock in the morning. He was known to wander. So why they didn't have the doors fixed so he couldn't get out, I couldn't tell you, but he disappeared. Mm-hmm. So never found him. I, I went with a group of people and a couple of my friends canvassing downtown, looking for him, handing out flyers. His body washed up on the beach at Moss Landing the next day. That one hit way too close to home because I was, you know, involved in trying to help. Yeah. And it's like, okay, don't ever ask me the question about putting him in a group home again, because it's obvious that nobody can take as good a care of him as his mother can. You know, and it's my oldest daughter has said that if something, you know, when something happens to Chris and I, that she will take Carson. Her husband is agreeable. And if they can't do it for some reason, Emily and her girlfriend, soon to be wife, have said that they will take him. So very lucky to have. Yeah. Well, and if we don't hurry up and get a will made, you know, (laughs) they're gonna have to fight the state over it, I guess. But anyhow, you know, that just. No group homes. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's scary. And I'm horrifying. I love to read. I'm a voracious reader, but sometimes I wish I didn't. Yeah. Because <laughs> then I read things like this and they stay with me. Yeah. You know, you can't forget so, it after that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, there was a story in Reader's Digest I read because it was about an autistic boy. You know, his sister wrote it. It had to do with the backpack that he always carried, you know. Well, what what happened was he was out, I guess, I think he was walking to work and he saw somebody he knew across the street and he got real excited and ran across the street in front of a bus. (gasps) Yeah. So, you know, that's the whole thing with the safety awareness and not being willing to leave him alone. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, you just... Sometimes I wish I didn't read. But he's he's doing really well. He goes to Hope Services. Well, he did until the pandemic. (laughs) He was going four days a week. They're finally back to where he goes two days a week for a full day. And then the other three days they do 
Zoom sessions twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. So he participates in those. And then Thursday and Friday, he goes from eight to, no, nine to three. What, and, uh, what is Hope Services? They're, it's hard for me to explain because I'm never really sure. <laughs> they do, they do um, community stuff. Some of the things they do, they do community service type videos and then they air them on a local station, which I forget which one it is. Or they have some kids that clean up on the mall, you know, they go and they pick up trash and stuff. And Carson did that for a while. And even though he got paid, he didn't like it. It wasn't a good fit. So he doesn't do that anymore. And, you know, just stuff. They go out in the community. They go to the bookstore and he loves bookshop Santa Cruz and stuff like that. And it's, you know, they, they work on things. <laughs> it's hard to get when he was little, he had a notebook that went back and forth to school, you know, and they'd write what he did. And, so that we could ask him questions about his day and try to get him to communicate with us. And then, you know, we'd write how his night went and if anything significant was happening or we had anything planned or whatever. So that was, you know, I knew how he was doing because of this notebook. Well, you know, he's an adult now and Doesn't do that. he's got time to write notebooks. So, you know, we have to just, you know, how was program? Excellent. Great. What okay. did you do? <laughs> Research on the computer. <sighs> which means he looked up Johnny Carson on YouTube, you know? <laughs> so it's, I kind of don't always know exactly what he does, but he's happy and he, he really likes it. And that's, that's good enough for me. <laughs> I think one of my last questions was, did you ever feel stigmatized as a mother because of his diagnosis? No. No, no. And like I said, I'm pretty much of an advocate for my son, you know, being involved with Easter Seals and being able to tell people about the resources that are out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at different times, like one time the school called me and asked if they could give a, a young mother my phone number. Her son was four and recently diagnosed and she had, you know, she wanted to talk to another parent about the school. So I said, sure, have her call me. And we talked. She was funny. I mean, said something about trying to reason with an autistic four-year-old. And she goes, oh, I've decided Lucas isn't really autistic. He's just practicing to be a husband. <laughs> I thought it was funny. My husband, not so much, but you know. <laughs> yeah, that's more female humor. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, just being, like I said, being able to help other people that have, you know, just with little ones that have just gotten the diagnosis and go, what do I do now? Right. You know, my mom met a woman who's, who was new to the area. She was in the medical field. That's how my mother met her going to the doctor and her son was autistic and they just moved to the area and she, you know, he was pretty high functioning and he, he missed his friends and, and, you know, she didn't know what was out there. So my mom asked me if I'd have lunch with her one day and talk to her and tell her about things. And so I did. And, you know, she gave me a free treatment, some kind of, I think they used to call it Rolfing, you know, where they put all your muscles back in line. Oh, okay. it hurt like crazy, but God, I felt good for about a week after that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, she invited us to a couple of his birthday parties, you know, so that was, that was nice. That's good. So I, I, I won't allow myself to be stigmatized. Let's put it that way. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. When, 
when I was talking to the psychologist from the county office after all the testing that she'd done with Carson and, you know, I, I told her about the incident with the local district and I said, you know, I, I really find it disturbing that I had to be such a bitch to get them to do something. And she goes, I don't look at it as being a bitch. No, that I look at it as being an advocate for your child. I said, well, they better not cross me again then because I'm a hell of an advocate. Yeah. Which they found out because they did cross me again several times. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> never, never cross mom. Oh, when he was, a, he, they have a post-secondary program at Cabrillo for these kids once they're out of high school. Yeah. It's, it's a four-year program and it focuses more on living skills and things like that. And halfway through his sophomore year, Carson got mainstreamed because the program that he was in, they, they taught him everything they could. I mean, he'd outgrown the program. He was doing so well. Awesome. So he was mainstreamed with 101 aid. So when he graduated, he was going to go to Cabrillo and I wanted him to have the same aid that he had in, in high school. And I talked to her and she was agreeable and she was going to drive him to Cabrillo and I was going to pay for her gas. And, you know, it was all right, but she had to talk to the local office. Uh Oh yeah. She said, no. So I talked to her. I go, why not? Well, I have somebody already picked out for Carson and he's very good and he knows the program and blah, blah, blah. Nothing I could say would change your mind. You know, it was, it was a, because I said so kind of thing, you know, I have the authority and I don't have to listen to you. But do you realize that you're also taking away someone that this kid is already used to yeah, and you works know, with that's well. The thing about autistic children, they need, they need and want consistency. Yes. So wouldn't that be a, yeah. So <laughs> in anticipation of him going there, we went to disabled student services and met with the mm-hmm. director, gave him copies of Carson's letters of conservation, which means that I'm in charge and you talk to me and not him. Right. Right. So I find out about a month into school that he got kicked out of a class. And see, because the the woman that when he started the program, the woman that was running it was his preschool teacher when he was little. I know it was great. I loved it. And she said occasionally they'll register for a couple of actual classes. So he ended up all through the four years he was there, he would take a PE class. He Mm -hmm. took swimming and I don't know what else other stuff but there was an independent reading class that Penny said you know usually worked out well for them well she didn't know it but they changed the criteria for the class oh so it was no longer really suitable for these kids that learn differently oh but she didn't know that and that was the class he got kicked out of how long did it take them to tell you that he got kicked out of it? I don't remember how I found out, but when I did, I was pissed off. So I called the guy that was the director of disabled student services and I reamed him, you know, I said, what the hell? Why didn't somebody tell me this happened? Well, we don't usually inform the parents because of confidentiality. I said, I you conservation yeah, person is a conserved adult. Well, what does that mean? exactly excuse me (laughs) through gritted teeth i said to him that means there is no confidentiality issue and you're ahead of the disabled yeah Yeah. and you know i and i and i i said well you know can't they why can't they adapt their teaching skills for these children who learn differently oh they can't do that 
So I'm sitting there going, man, this smacks of discrimination. So I was beyond livid. And we were having a meeting that was supposed to be an IEP, but turned out not to be that. <laughs> I was so mad that I ended up writing a letter and I read it in the meeting because if I would have just talked, I'd have sounded like a, a babbling idiot because I was just so pissed off. Right. So I wrote this letter. I pointed fingers. I named names. I mentioned the D word discrimination. I mean, well, the woman that ran the local district special ed, she didn't come to the meeting. She sent someone in her stead. Oh, really? Yeah. Poor woman didn't know what hit her. <laughs> and the head of the county office of education was also there. And when I started saying discrimination against these children who learn differently, she was tripping all over herself trying to make me happy because Cabrillo lets them use their facilities free of charge. So they didn't want me rocking the boat. <laughs> yeah, of course not. And I basically told them, you know, I put this solely in the lap of whatever this woman's name was. And I told them why, because I wanted, because this aid, as it turns out, was not, he was supposed to be one-on-one -on -one aid for Carson. Mm -hmm. When this incident happened, he was not with Carson. He was helping another student. I said, why in the hell was he helping another student? And then I find out from Penny that she would give him instructions and he would not follow them. He the aide wouldn't follow them. Right. She would tell him, you know, this is what you need to do for credit. I mean, this woman was an expert in autism. Yeah. Okay. And she's telling him what to do and he is completely ignoring her and not doing it. Needless to say, he was canned and they found another aide for Carson because I said, I want him to have a new aide immediately. Yeah. And I wanted him re-enrolled in the class, but then when I talked to Penny and we found out the criteria of the class had changed and it really wasn't a good fit for different abled learning children, I said, well, all right, I'll give him that one. So he, did, he, he got a new aide and actually he was with him for the duration of the program. He was really good. Was, <laughs> he, he writes, sends me a note or called me. I'm not sure which. And he says, you know, I'm an older gentleman. Turns out he was my age. I'm like, what's this older gentleman? <laughs> <laughs> but he was, he was really, he was very good for Carson and very good with Carson. And so it, it worked out, but mm, I was sure mad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all of that could have been avoided. Yeah. Well, I rattled their cage, which is what I set out to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they were very glad when all of my children were out of their district and graduated <laughs> from high school. They didn't have to hear my name anymore. <laughs> like, oh no, here comes Cindy again. <laughs> Apparently my youngest, our youngest is quite a kid. She, she was born 30 years old <laughs> and she used to apparently have go rounds with the administrators in high school and you know, they threaten her with something and she'd go, do I need to call my mom? No, don't call your mother. <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty great. <laughs> that's pretty great. So anyhow, yeah. I think we've covered pretty much everything. Hopefully you can use some, find some useful information and in all that I babbled. <laughs> yeah. I was taking notes the whole time too. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's see. What does ACES stand for something? Yes, and my husband knows. Honey, what does ACES stand for? Autistic Children's Education Services. Autistic Children's Education Services. We think. <laughs> expanded their mission oh they have yeah because they don't necessarily do strictly autistic oh okay kids, i think i think that's what uh, chris says he thinks they've expanded their mission and they now deal with other uh special needs kids okay so there is when at the time carson was their oldest client because i guess they usually only take him up to you know through grade school or something oh interesting but yeah but they um, like i said they worked with him and they were great the little girl that would come I think she came once or twice a week I can't remember it's been so long but she was she was really good with Carson really really good and then let's see we had the Children's Health Council in Stanford San Francisco Autism Clinic San Andreas Regional Center is they're a conduit agency between developmentally disabled children and adults to you know the community when I was we were dealing with potty training issues with Carson they hooked us up with a behavioral specialist and it wasn't a good fit I didn't like what he told us to do but the fact that they had somebody that they could you know other parents may have said good idea we'll do that but yeah I'm not other parents so (laughs) and they hooked us up with ACEs and they administer the respite program through Easter Seals. And Easter Seals is also a really good resource. They have Camp Harmon up here in Boulder Creek, mm-hmm. summer camp for disabled uh, adults and children. And uh, they do all, you know, I'm pretty sure it's still open because I looked at their website the other day. They had, in the past, they had, you know, horseback riding they'd take them on a you know lead the horse down a little trail around in the woods they had a swimming pool they did a dance they did you know did some of those kids they came from as far away as fresno and things like that and they they lived for this one week a year that they could go to camp and act like normal people that's awesome yeah it was it was pretty neat i i did a couple things up there volunteered one time and helped them with arts and crafts day and um easter seals is that spelled like easter easter seals Seals. you know the do you remember seeing the colorful little stamps with the flowers on them that said easter seals you get them in the mail probably asking for donations you know probably put them on your envelopes you know for your easter cards (laughs) but they have a lot of they've expanded their services too i think they have from looking at their website looks like they have some programs for early intervention for autism and stuff like that because the the earlier you can get a diagnosis and get you know started with whatever they want to call it more pinpoint teaching training therapy whatever it is the the better off it is for the child really you know i've i've run across parents that i know damn well their kids autistic but they won't do i don't want them to be labeled children develop at their own rate mind your own business you know <laughs> i accidentally i accidentally turned one of uh, emily was going to an in-home daycare when she was little and i i accidentally turned one of her clients over to cps i didn't mean to oops yeah because i knew that kid was autistic i knew he was 
And his mother was a serious piece of work and she wouldn't listen to anything the babysitter told her. So it really bothered me. So I called CPS and I explained it all. And I said, is there anybody who can advocate for this child and make his parents understand it? She goes, yeah, us. I went, oh. <laughs> so I called the babysitter and said, um, if she gets pissed off, just give her my phone number. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a label. It's, yeah, I mean they're not they're not helping their child any by not doing something. Yeah, about, it's a know. real diagnosis and there are things that you can do to at least give them a better life than what they would have otherwise. Yeah, well, it help them it it helps them learn to navigate the yeah. world. I saw something one time that said instead of teaching them to navigate our world, why don't we learn to navigate theirs? Be easier. Yeah, no kidding. But that's, you know, basically what what it is is teaching them how to navigate yeah in this you know yeah in the world (laughs) okay well i think that was all i had okay Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Body Talk with Bex. I hope you found it as interesting and entertaining as I did listening to Cindy talk about her experiences and hopefully informative and helpful for those of you who need the help. And if you do need that help, make sure to check out the show notes as I will have everything linked that was mentioned that Cindy found helpful for her. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. To help me keep this podcast going, please consider becoming a patron on patreon.com. If you're interested in sharing your story or know someone who does, please feel free to reach out to me either on my website, www.bodytalkwithbex.com, or you can find me on social media at bodytalkwithbex.com.